And when I wake up, I recognize you looking at me for the pay cut. But I'ma stop me looking at you from the face down. One Mac 11 in the room with the face down. Skimming. What's up, y'all? It's your girl Jess Sweelin Rock, aka Jess, aka Jesse, aka Jessmine, aka Baldy, aka your favorite Baldy, aka the Faded Reds. Ooh! Shout out to all my devastating divas of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Listen, I am back. You are back. We are back. And welcome to another episode of I'm Just Saying. Now, it hasn't been as long since the last episode, but it's been a minute since I did an episode dedicated to historically black colleges and universities. It's relevant to me, so I'm going to be super excited talking about these HBCUs. So you already know what time it is. Go get your fruit snacks. Go get your apple juice. Lean back. Hey, lean back. Hey, lean back. Kick your feet up and let's get into it. Hey. <laughs> So on this episode, we are going to talk about one of the athletic conferences um, that is ran by HBCUs, the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Let's talk about SWAC, baby. Uh, But before we get into that, let's touch on some general history regarding HBCUs. Now, for those of you who are new, the acronym HBCU stands for Historically Black College and University. The first HBCUs were founded in Pennsylvania and Ohio before the American Civil War from 1861 to 1865, with the purpose of providing black youths who were largely prevented due to racial discrimination from attending established colleges and universities with a basic education and training to become teachers and tradesmen. Richard Humphreys established the African Institute, now known as Cheney University, in 1837 in Pennsylvania, making it the oldest HBCU in the United States. Its mission was to teach free African-American skills for gainful employment. Students were taught reading, writing, and basic math alongside religion and industrial arts. During the 1850s, three more HBCUs were founded. Minor Normal School, which was founded in 1851 in Washington, D.C. Lincoln University, which was founded in 1854 in Pennsylvania. And Wilberforce University, which was founded in 1856 in Ohio. The African Methodist Episcopal Church established Wilberforce University, the first HBCU operated by African Americans. The provision of education for people of African descent in early America was recognized by some as unnecessary and criminal, while others saw it as essential and vital. 
The majority of HBCUs originated from 1865 to 1900, with the greatest number of HBCUs started in 1867, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Those HBCUs included Alabama State University, Barbara Scotia College, Fayetteville State University, Howard University, Johnson C. Smith University, Morehouse College, Morgan State University, St. Augustine's University, and Talladega College. The Higher Education Act of 1965, as amended, defines an HBCU as any historically black college or university that was established prior to 1964, whose principal mission was and is the education of black Americans, and that is accredited by a nationally recognized accrediting agency or association determined by the Secretary of Education to be a reliable authority as to the quality of training offered or is according to such an agency or association making reasonable progress toward accreditation. And that's that on historically black colleges and universities. Now y'all know I can't do too much without doing, you know, some fun facts. So we gonna show some more love to HBCUs. So check out these fun facts, right? So HBCUs represent less than 3% of colleges and universities in the United States. They enroll 12% of all African-American students, and they produce 23% of all African-American graduates. HBCUs confer 40% of all STEM degrees and 60% of all engineering degrees for African-American students. HBCUs educate 50% of African-American teachers and 40% of African-American health professionals. Now, 70% of African-American dentists and physicians earn degrees at HBCUs, and 58% of HBCUs offer students the opportunity to study abroad. In the year 2000, Xavier University in New Orleans individually produced more successful African-American medical school applicants, totaling 94, than Johns Hopkins, totaling 20, Harvard, totaling 37, and the University of Maryland, totaling 24 combined. HBCUs significantly contribute to the creation of African-American science degree holders. Agriculture, 51.6%, biology, 42.2%, computer science, 35%, physical science, 43%, and social science, 23.2%. HBCUs produce 44% of all African-American bachelor's degrees awarded for communications technology, 33% of bachelor's degrees awarded for engineering technology, and 43% of bachelor's degrees awarded for mathematics. HBCUs have one-eighth of the average size of endowments than historically white colleges and universities, but against these odds, HBCUs historically have provided an affordable education to millions of students of color, graduating the majority of America's African-American teachers, doctors, judges, engineers, and other scientific and technological professionals. The Honda Battle of the Bands hosted in Atlanta, Georgia, was created to celebrate, support, and recognize the excellence of black college marching bands and the unique academic experience offered by the historically black college and university. Honda annually awards more than 200000 in grants to participating marching bands during the program period. That was just some general history and fun facts about historically black colleges and universities. Now, let's talk about swag, baby. <laughs> the illest, trillest, most gangster athletic conference that HBCUs are a part of. This is my conference, baby. Let's go.
So there are five conferences in which HBCUs participate in. We've got the MEAC, the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, the SWAC, the Southwest Athletic Conference, the SEAC, the Southern Intercollegiate Conference, the CIAA or the CIAA, Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association, and the GCAC, the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. Shout out to all of those conferences. Um, there are HBCUs that are Division One HBCUs. Um, all of the schools in the SWAC are Division One schools because the SWAC is a Division One conference. All right, I'm gonna say that one more time. There are HBCUs that have D1 programs. There are HBCUs that have D1 programs. There's this thing out there like there's not, but there definitely is. And every school in the SWAC is NCAA, NCAA, D1 affiliated. So we're just gonna bump that myth. Eight men representing six colleges from the state of Texas met to discuss collegiate athletics and the many challenges that face their respective institutions. By the time the session in Houston had concluded, they had founded an athletic league that has slowly became one of the leading sports associations in the world of collegiate athletics. That was the Southwestern Athletic Conference, the SWAC was formed on September 10th, 1920 in Houston from humble beginnings as a grand experiment with five historically black colleges and university member institutions, four private and one public. The founding fathers of the original Super Six were C.H. Fuller of Bishop College, Red Randolph and C.H. Patterson of Paul Quinn, E.G. Evans, H.J. Evans and H.J. Starnes of Prairie View A&M, D.C. Fuller of Texas College, and G. Jordan of Wiley College. The founding member institutions of the SWAC included Bishop College, which is now defunct, Paul Quinn College, Samuel Houston College, which is now Houston Tillotson University, and Wiley College, as well as one public institution, the greatest HBCU in the land, Prairie View State Normal and Industrial College now, Prairie View A&M University in the Southwest region of the United States with a sixth joining just a year later, which was Texas College. In 2021, the SWAC added two HBCUs, Florida A&M University and Bethune-Cookman University as the 11th and 12th member institutions, which there was some excitement with FAMU especially coming. You know, people made all that noise for FAMU. They didn't do too much. Anyways, current member schools of the Southwest Athletic Conference or the SWAC are Alabama A&M University located in Huntsville, Alabama, Alabama State University located in Montgomery, Alabama, Alcorn State University located in Lorman, Mississippi, Bethune-Cookman University located in Daytona Beach, Florida, Florida A&M University located in Tallahassee, Florida, Grambling State University located in Grambling, Louisiana, Jackson State University, the Jackson State University located in Jackson, Mississippi, Mississippi Valley State University located in Itabina, Mississippi, Prairie View A&M University located in Prairie View, Texas, Southern University A&M College located in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Texas Southern University located in Houston, Texas, and University of Arkansas Pine Bluff located in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. All right, so now we are going to talk 
about some of these schools in the swag. So stay tuned because your school might be featured. Don't go. Okay, so of course we're going to kick off the list with the greatest HBCU in the land, Prairie View A&M University. I'm a proud alumna of Prairie View A&M University where I earned my Bachelor of Arts in History with a minor in African American Studies and Student Involvement in August of 2020 under the tenure of Dr. Ruth J. Simmons, who was the first female president of the institution. Prairie View University is the first state-supported college in Texas for African Americans and was established during the Reconstruction period after the Civil War. Now this was a historical period in which political and economic special interest groups were able to aggressively use the federal government to establish public policy. The university had its beginnings in the Texas Constitution of 1876 which in separate articles established in agricultural and mechanical college and pledged that separate schools shall be provided for the white and colored children and impartial provisions shall be made for both. Now, as a consequence of these constitutional provisions, the 15th legislator established Alta Vista Agricultural and Mechanical College of Texas for Colored Youth on August 14, 1876. The board of directors purchased the land of the Alta Vista Plantation, which was 1,388 acres, from Mrs. Helen Mar Kirby, the widow of the late Colonel Jared Ellison Kirby, for the establishment of the State Agricultural and Mechanical College of Texas for Colored Youth. The college was named Alta Vista Agricultural and Mechanical College for Colored Youth, and the A&M Board of Directors was authorized to appoint a president of A&M College and Alta Vista College, with an assigned principal station at Alta Vista to administer the college's day-to-day affairs. Now, A&M College at the time is what we know as Texas A&M University today. Confederate President Jefferson Davis recommended... Um, let me run that back, okay? <laughs> what? Confederate President Jefferson Davis recommended Mr. Thomas S. Gathright of Mississippi, also from Mississippi, and he brought Mr. L.W. Minor of Mississippi to serve as principal. Eight young African-American men, the first of their race to enroll in a state-supported college in Texas, began their studies on March 11, 1878. Now, in 1981, the Texas legislator acknowledged the university's rich tradition of service and identified various statewide needs which the university should address, including the assistance of students of diverse ethnic and socioeconomic backgrounds to realize their full potential and assistance of small and medium-sized communities and businesses in their growth and development. 
Two years later, in 1983, the Texas legislator proposed a constitutional amendment to restructure the Permanent University Fund, known as the Puff Fund, to include Prairie View A&M University as a beneficiary of its proceeds. The Permanent University Fund is a perpetual endowment fund originally established in the Constitution of 1876 for the sole benefit of Texas A&M University and the University of Texas. However, the 1983 amendment also dedicated the university to enhancement as an institution of the first class under the governing board of the Texas A&M University system. The constitutional amendment was approved by the voters on November 6th of 1984. Now, I think one of the most interesting things about PVAMU um, is how many times we changed our name. Prairie View went through a lot of name changes. Um, and if, child, if that ain't a fun fact, uh, then I don't know what is. So the 15th legislator on August the 14th, 1876, established Alta Vista Agricultural and Mechanical College of Texas for Colored Youth. The 16th legislator in April of 1879 established Prairie View State Normal School in Waller County for the training of colored teachers. The 20th legislator in 1887 attached the Agricultural and Mechanical Department to Prairie View Normal School. The 26th legislator in 1899 changed the name to Prairie View State Normal and Industrial College. The 49th legislator on June 1st, 1945 changed the name to Prairie View University. The 50th legislator on March 3rd, 1947 established the Texas State University for Negroes, which is now Texas Southern University, and changed the name of Prairie View University to Prairie View Agricultural and Mechanical College of Texas. And finally, the 63rd legislator in 1973 changed the name to Prairie View A&M University. The mascot of Prairie View A&M University is the Panther, and we've got three, Sasha, Pete, and Vicky, when she decides she wants to come out. Some facts about PVMU, we are the second oldest public serving institution in the state of Texas, right behind Texas A&M University, or so they say. Ed Smart ranked Prairie View as the number one top historically black college on starting average salary and Texas schools with the highest starting salaries. We are the number one producer of minority architects and one of the top producers of black engineers by diverse issues in higher education. We're located 40 miles northwest of the fourth largest city in the United States, Houston, Texas, and we are a member of the Texas A&M University system. Some notable alumni include Lonnie Love, who's a comedian, Sandra Bland, Terry Ellis of In Vogue, Emmanuel Cleaver, who's a U.S. House of Representatives, um, representing Missouri, and Dr. Frederick D. Patterson, who is the founder of the United Negro College Fund. Prairie View's motto, is Prairie View produces productive people. Uh, and I don't know how I forgot to mention one of the other notable alumni, perhaps the most notable alumna that they have. Me. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, duh. How else would it be considered the greatest HBC in the land? All right, moving on. <laughs> let's move on to, uh, let's take a trip down. 20 in highway 10 or wherever takes us from Houston to Jackson, Mississippi, Jackson State University.
didn't think that I could bump like this. Said I told y'all I was gonna bump like this. Turn around and I make it jump like this. You wanna keep that boy and make it jump like this? Wanna think that I could make it bump like this? See, I told y'all I was gonna jump like this. How you not gonna know it when it like Y'all have to admit, I have like a great sense of humor, right? Duh, like I'm the most notable alumni at Prairie View. But if I'm the most notable alumni at PVAMU, then that means that I'm the most notable student at Jackson State. Because I'm currently pursuing a Master of Arts in History at Jackson State. I'm about to start my second year, which will be my last year. And I'm so glad that I'm almost through. Amen. All right, Jackson State University is probably one of the most notable HBCUs right now. I've definitely been in the news um, with Deion Sanders uh, being the football coach at Jackson State. Um, I call him Uncle Deion because him and my uncle are really good friends. Um, but yeah, Coach Prime, as he's known, is there at Jackson State. So the history of Jackson State University, founded as Natchez Seminary in 1877 by the American Baptist Home Mission Society, the school was established as Natchez in Natchez, Mississippi, for the moral, religious, and intellectual improvement of Christian leaders of the colored people of Mississippi. In the neighboring states. In November 1882, the school was moved to Jackson. In March 1899, the curriculum was expanded and the name was changed to Jackson College. The state assumed support of the college in 1940. Now, subsequently, between 1953 and 1956, the curriculum was expanded to include a graduate program and bachelor's programs in the arts and sciences. The name was then changed to Jackson State College in 1956. Further expansion of the curriculum in a notable building program preceded the elevation of Jackson State College to university status on March 15, 1974. And in 1979, Jackson State was officially designated the Urban University of the State of Mississippi. Now we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about one of the most notable events that took place on the campus of Jackson State University, the Jackson State Killings. The Jackson State killings took place at Jackson State College, now Jackson State University, on May 15, 1970 in Jackson, Mississippi. Around midnight on May 14th, city and state police confronted a group of students and opened fire on them, killing two students and injuring 12. The Jackson State killings occurred 11 days after the more widely publicized Kent State University shootings, which took place in Kent, Ohio. On May 14, 1970, around 9.30 p.m., a group of African-American high school and college students gathered just off campus and began rioting in response to a false rumor that Fayette, Mississippi Mayor Charles Evers, the brother of slain civil rights activist Medgar Evers, and his wife Nanny Evers were assassinated. Several white motorists called Jackson Police Department to complain about the African-American rioters throwing rocks at them as they drove by the campus on Lynch Street. The young protesters also started fires and overturned a dump truck. Seventy-five policemen and Mississippi State Police officers arrived to control the crowd. At around 12.05 a.m. on May 15, 1970, the police opened fire on the crowd and 21-year-old Philip Lafayette Gibbs and 17-year-old James Earl Green were killed. Gibbs was a junior pre-law major at Jackson State and father of an 18-month-old son. Green was a senior at Jim Hill High School. In Jackson. Now, the reasons behind the police opening fire on the students continue to be disputed. Some students said that the police issued a warning that they would shoot unless the crowd dispersed. 
When the protesters did not leave, they opened fire. However, others contended that the police abruptly opened fire on the crowd and on Alexander West Hall, a Jackson State dormitory directly behind the students. Police claimed they shot at the dormitory because they spotted a powder flare on the third floor of the building and thus fired on the dormitory in self-defense. On June 13, 1970, the President's Commission on Campus Unrest was created by President Richard Nixon to investigate the shootings at Kent State and Jackson State. The commission held its first meeting on June 25, 1970 in Washington, D.C., and then conducted public hearings in Jackson, Mississippi, Kent, Ohio, and Los Angeles, California for 13 days. During the hearings, the administration, faculty, staff, and students testified, along with police and National Guard officials. Although the commission criticized both police in Jackson and National Guard commanders in Ohio, no arrests were made in either incident. The Jackson City Council voted to close Lynch Street. The Gibbs Green Plaza was constructed by Alexander West Hall Center. And the Gibbs Green Monument, a permanent memorial to the slain students, is located in the plaza. The vision of Jackson State University is building on its historic mission of empowering diverse students to become leaders. Jackson State University will become recognized as a challenging yet nurturing state of the art technologically infused intellectual community. Students and faculty will engage in creative research, participate in interdisciplinary and multi institutional and organizational collaborative learning teams, and serve the global community. The mascot of Jackson State University, they are the Tigers. Shout out to Wavy Dave. A fun fact about Jackson State University is JSU offers 44 bachelor degree programs and more than 50 graduate degree programs via five colleges and five locations. They're global. Notable alums of Jackson State include Walter Payton, football great, James Meredith, who was the first African-American student admitted to the racially segregated University of Mississippi, and Cornell Williams Brooks, who is the former president of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, also known as the NAACP. The motto of Jackson State University is challenging minds, changing lives. All right, now we're going to push it all the way to the East Coast. And we're going to talk about that school that a lot of us were lit to add to the sweat. And we were just kind of let down. Come on, Rattlers. about FAMU, Florida A&M University. 
1884, Thomas Van Rensselaer Gibbs, a Duval County educator, was elected to the Florida legislature. Although his political career ended abruptly because of the resurgence of segregation, Representative Gibbs was successful in orchestrating the passage of House Bill 133 in 1884. This bill established a white normal school in Gainesville, Florida, and a school for African Americans in Jacksonville. The bill passed, creating both institutions. However, the state decided to relocate the school for African Americans to Tallahassee. After the bill's passage, FAMU was founded on October 3rd, 1887. It began classes with only 15 students and two instructors. Thomas DeSalle Tucker, an attorney from Pensacola, was chosen to be the first president. Former State Representative Gibbs joined Mr. Tucker as the second faculty member. In 1891, the college received $7,500 under the Second Moral Act for Agricultural and Mechanical Arts Education. The State Normal College for Colored Students became Florida's land-grant institution for African Americans and its name was changed to the State Normal and Industrial College for Colored Students. In 1905, management of the college was transferred from the Board of Education to the Board of Control. This significant event officially designated the college as an institution of higher education. Four years later, in 1909, the name was changed from the State Normal College for Colored Students to Florida Agricultural and Mechanical College for Negroes. President Nathan B. Young directed the growth of the college to a four-year degree-granting institution despite limited resources, offering the Bachelor of Science degree in Education, Science, Home Economics, Agriculture, and Mechanical Arts. Perhaps one of the greatest achievements came under the presidency of Dr. George W. Gore. The Florida legislator elevated the college to university status and, in 1953, Florida A&M College became Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. Obtaining university status meant restructuring existing programs and designing new academic offerings to meet the demands of producing quality students at the professional and graduate levels. Between 1953 and 1968, the schools of pharmacy, law, graduate studies, and nursing were created. And enrollment at FAMU increased from 3,944 students in 1969 to 5,024 students in 1970. One year later, in 1971, FAMU was recognized as a full partner in the nine-university public higher education system of Florida. Now, during this time, FAMU achieved a significant first by becoming the first Negro institution to become a member of the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools Commission on Colleges, or SACS. Enrollment grew to more than 3,500, and the number of faculty increased by more than 500. In 1992, 1995, and 1997, FAMU enrolled more National Achievement finalists than Harvard, Yale, and Stanford, all Ivy League institutions. Over 130 years, FAMU has served the citizens of the state of Florida and the world through its preeminent educational programs for a legacy of excellence with caring. For this reason, FAMU is Florida's Opportunity University. The school was originally designed to meet the needs of the underrepresented and the underprivileged, and they remain committed to meeting the challenges and the needs of future generations. The mascot of FAMU is the Rattler, or FAMU Rattlers. Notable alumni include Common, who's a rapper, Will Packer, who's an American film producer, 
Althea Gibson, who's a tennis great, who made history by becoming the first black person to win the French championships. And then the next year, she made more history by winning the Wimbledon and the U.S. Nationals, the first black to win either. Anika Noni Rose, who is our Princess Tiana, and Pam Oliver, who is a sports broadcaster. FAMU's motto, excellence with caring. All right, now let's push it back to the left to that other purple and gold school in the swag. And we're also back in Mississippi. Like, you know, I have double beef with this school. Let's go. So we're back in Mississippi. I have double beef with this school. All right. The first reason I have beef with this school is because there's really only room for one purple and gold school in the swag, and that's Prairie Vianney University. But this school just has to be purple and gold. And number two, it. Sobo, Capital City Classic, whatever you want to call it. Only one school matters, and that's JSU is not this school. But I'm going to go ahead and give them some shine. So I'm going to go ahead and, you know, give Alcorn State my time. Alcorn State University is the oldest public historically black land grant institution in the United States and the second oldest state-supported institution of higher learning in Mississippi. Alcorn University was founded in 1871 as a result of the people of Mississippi's efforts to educate the descendants of formerly enslaved African Americans. It was named in honor of the sitting governor of Mississippi, James L. Alcorn. Alcorn is situated in Claiborne County, seven miles west of Lorman, 80 miles south of the capital city of Jackson, Mississippi, 45 miles south of Vicksburg, Mississippi, and 40 miles north of Natchez, Mississippi. The site was originally occupied by Oakland College, a school established by Presbyterians in 1828. The state of Mississippi purchased the Oakland campus for $40,000 and named it Alcorn University. Hiram R. Revels resigned his seat as a United States Senator to become the university's first president. The state legislator provided $50,000 in cash annually for the university's first 10 years to support its establishment and overall operation. Additionally, 30 acres of land were sold for $188,928. Alcorn received three-fifths of the proceeds, go figure, or $113,400. This funding was used for Alcorn's agricultural and mechanical components. Now, initially, the institution's three major study components were for the four-year college track, the two-year college track, and the three-year graded track. Students spent the morning from 7 o'clock until noon in classes, and in the afternoon, they worked in various university shops for $0.08 per hour. Room and board, including laundry, cost about $5 a month. In 1878, Alcorn University became Alcorn Agricultural and Mechanical College. The college was exclusively for males at first, but eventually women were admitted. A dormitory for women was built in 1902. Over time, facilities increased from three historic buildings to more than 80 structures. The original purchase of 225 acres of land grew to a campus of more than 1,700 acres. In 1974, 
Alcorn Agricultural and Mechanical College became Alcorn State University. Governor William L. Waller signed House Bill 298, granting this status. Since then, Alcorn has thrived by continuously accomplishing dynamic goals and objectives despite limited resource allocations from the state. By the early 1990s, Alcorn's physical plant and academic programs evolved into a more diversified university. The student population is now representative of more than 65 counties, more than 30 states, and at least 18 foreign countries. The university provides an undergraduate education that enables students to successfully pursue work in graduate and professional schools, engage in teaching, and enter other professions. As Mississippi recognized the importance of educating all citizens, Alcorn has gained status and importance. Over the decades, the college that excelled against great odds has become one of the leading universities in the nation. Alcorn State University operates divisions with degree programs in more than 50 areas, including the bachelor's, master's, and educational specialist degrees. The mascot of Alcorn State University is the brave so the alcorn state braves now um <laughs> you know i mean i guess <laughs> i thought that it was interesting that alcorn was exclusively for males at the time of establishment so now i got triple beef with them because preview's first eight students were all males women did not begin to attend preview university until it reopened in 1879 so it's like all corn tell you all corn just y'all want to be us y'all want to be pv so bad and y'all really want to be jg so bad but anyways notable alumni or notable all cornites <laughs> include medgar evergers who is a civil rights leader steve mcnair who's a football great whose brother is uh, the head football coach at Alcorn State right now. Alex Haley, the creator of Roots, Hiram R. Rebels, who was the first African-American to serve in the United States Congress. So he resigned from his seat to serve as the first president of Alcorn State. William Bill Foster, who is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And my favorite Alcorn alum, Dr. Felicia Nave who is the first female president and the 20th president of Alcorn State University. And shout out to, you know, my little special Alcornite. <sighs> Poor baby. <laughs> uh, Lamar Scott. That's my, that's my dog. That's my dog. So yeah, Alcorn's motto is where knowledge and character matter. I gotta give it to Alcorn though, like, out of all of the HBCU alums in the SWAT, Alcorn definitely has like my favorite group of notable alums. Um, Alex Haley Alfred, Megger Evers, um, Hiram Rebels, Bill Foster, yeah, Dr. Nay for sure. All right, I'm not gonna give y'all too much love because you already know it's triple beef over here, baby. All right, so we're gonna end in Louisiana. But who? are we ending with because we got two schools in the swag that represent louisiana and they have like one of the biggest like rivalry games in the swag i think the jsu alcorn rivalry game is huge but i think that bayou classic with graham and southern is even bigger so let's move to the boot
I was just thinking whenever I was talking about Alcorn State, my favorite, um, my favorite alum is Dr. Nave. You know, y'all know that one day I aspire to be the president of an HBCU. Dr. Nave was my provost at Prairie View my first semester in fall 2017. And she was the provost under Dr. Simmons, who was the first female president of Prairie View A&M University. So, I mean, I came into the HBCU grid under female leadership. And I love that for me and I love that for the rest of us that were there. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Dr. Nave and, of course, shout out to Dr. Simmons. All right. Grambling State University. You know, I don't know why I didn't choose to do Southern um, other than I feel like Graham. People don't talk about Graham like they talk about Southern. No shade, you know, but Graham is also the out-of-state rival of Prairie View A&M University. We play them every year at the State Fair of Texas. Uh, which is called, which is what we call the State Fair Classic. Grambling State University opened on November 1st, 1901 as the Colored Industrial and Agricultural School. It was founded by the North Louisiana Colored Agricultural Relief Association, organized in 1896 by a group of African-American farmers who wanted to organize and operate a school for African-Americans in their region of the state. In response to the association's request for assistance, Tuskegee Institute's Booker T. Washington sent Charles P. Adams to help the group organize an industrial school. Adams then became its founding president. In 1905, the school moved to its present location and was renamed the North Louisiana Agricultural and Industrial School. And by 1928, after becoming a state junior college and being renamed the Louisiana Negro Normal and Industrial Institute, the school began to award two-year professional certificates and diplomas. In 1936, the curriculum emphasis shifted to rural teacher education. Students were able to receive professional teaching certificates after completing a third academic year. The first baccalaureate degree was awarded in 1944 in elementary education. Now, in 1946, the school became Grambling College, named after P.G. Grambling, the white sawmill owner who had donated the parcel of land where the school was constructed. In addition to elementary educators, Grambling prepared secondary teachers and added curricula in sciences, liberal arts, and business, transforming the college from a single-purpose institution of teacher education into a multi-purpose college. In 1949, the college earned its first accreditation by the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools. In 1974, the addition of graduate programs in early childhood and elementary education gave the school a new status and a new name, Grambling State University. The university expanded and prospered between 1977 and 2000. Several new academic programs were incorporated and new facilities were added to the 384-acre campus, including a business and computer science building, school of nursing, student services building, stadium, stadium support facility, and an intramural sports center. The mascot of Grambling State University are, is, the Grambling State Tigers. Grambling is one of the country's top producers of African-American graduates and the top producer of computer information science grads in Louisiana. And they're also home of the internationally renowned Tiger Marching Band. Notable alumni of Graham are Natalie Dizel, uh, the late actress who is in BAPS and Cinderella, the black version with Brandy and Winnie Houston. Rapper E-40 songstress mother love erica badu who attended grambling judy ann mason who's a playwright who got her start on good times and she also wrote on sister act two and grambling's current president rick gallo i love that um 
you know, all these HBCU presidents are presiding over their alma maters. I think that's dope. Grambling's motto is where everybody is somebody. That sounds so churchy. That sounds churchy. That you know, I'm just I'm just a nobody trying to tell somebody. Uh or what is it? Hold on. It's I'm just hold on, let me Google it. I'm just a nobody. Oh, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Oh, hallelujah. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. It sounds like church where everybody is somebody. All right, grandma stay, girl, whatever. Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of I'm Just Saying. We just went through five schools that were a part, that are a part, not were, that are a part of the Southwest Athletic Conference. I think I'm going to come back and I'm going to tell you about the other schools. But honestly, like, you know, no school is greater than Prairie View, but I love all these schools. I love all HBCUs. Um, And I just think it's funny how, you know, rivalries and stuff end up happening but listen uh, find your local hbcu and support it if you don't have a local one there are 107 um that always need support uh that will always want support um we need it i think the beautiful thing about it is that just like i stated in the quick facts and the fun facts about hbcus we don't receive near as much it said we receive one eighth of anything endowment related to historically white colleges and universities and yet we still thrive and that is everything that i need to know and everything that i need to hear to ensure that i give back to these institutions so rep your hbcu rep hbcus the degrees don't mean any less let me tell you something you are going to get something of an experience at an hbcu that you will not get anywhere else and it don't matter what color you are you're going to get it you're going to get it. I would not trade my HBCU experience for the world. I would not be where I am right now without my HBCU. My HBCU connected me to some people who, had I not gone to my HBCU, I, I bet your bottom dollar I wouldn't have even met these people. The current role I'm in is because I met somebody at an HBCU through my HBCU. Hello, somebody. So, you know, you talk to anybody who graduated from an HBCU. If they say that that experience didn't change their life, their life, then I'm not going to say nothing about that because everybody's experience is different. But I'm going to tell you, I ain't talked to nobody 
I ain't talked to nobody who has said anything less or anything different about their HBCU. Um, and there's nothing against anybody who didn't go to one. You just, <laughs> you can't relate, baby. I was just, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you can't relate. And yeah, I don't feel bad because it is what it is. I'm forever grateful. So listen, as 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 my nephew, as my baby, as my my number two love, because my number one love is Popeyes. Michigan State Representative Duell Jones always says, peace and love. Holla. <laughs>